With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Today, 
to talk all things World Heavyweight Champions. Hold on, I'll do this. <laughs> Technical difficulties. Take a drink. We got Digi. What's up, Digi? <laughs> the hand puppet just broke me. It's Marv. He's our opener. Marv is amazing. I'm I'm Team Marv. Yeah, Marv opens the show. He's a good. He's a good dude. New gimmick well, coming soon for him. You know, it's episode one. You know, it's first time seeing him. Yeah, only episode one. I let him have a shot at it. We'll see. We'll see if he lasts. See if he stays on the job, huh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm still kind of coming down off of this throat thing that's been bothering me. So really, I've been trying to ease up on the booze. So today, in my glass, I'm just having a little bit of coffee. If I'm being honest, uh, what's uh, what's in your glass? Coffee and absinthe. There you go. Thanks. There you go. A little bit of a shot. Keep it rolling. You know. Yeah, you gotta keep it going. Yeah, it's not about what you're drinking. It's who you're drinking with. Digi, thanks for coming through, coming to hang out and chat, uh, being my drinking buddy today. Uh, I know it was literally last second. I was like, are you busy right now? And you're like, why? I was like, nah, I'm thinking about going live. What do you think? So you did it. You came through. And I think it's going to be awesome. I think it's going to be fun. I think that you called an audible. I was here for it. Oh, yeah. Uh, Justin Time. He was on my mind, too, Justin. I don't think you weren't. Cheers to Justin coming through. Um, of the end time wrestling podcast but i was thinking about something because i'd asked you before and i'm gonna ask you again did you watch raw and smackdown yes and overall your one word takeaway from this week in wrestling was eh, largely forgettable and we were talking about it with bishop last week that after mania Mm -hmm. It's feeling a lot like a holding pattern. A lot of stuff feels a little static. There doesn't seem to be a ton of forward momentum. Little stories are progressing a little bit, but a lot of the big ones are feeling like they've cooled off a bit. And I know part of that is just like, that's the nature of storytelling, right? The crescendo. Like if mania is the big blow off, then you're starting, you're coming down. Yeah. And you got to build back up, right? Like you can't build to a peak without having a low, right? They had that one show where, like, travel plans were just jacked for, like, 75% of the roster. So, I mean, that, that really hit them. They had a lot going on, so they have to kind of work things around to get back where they wanted to be. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm, sure that's, I'm sure there's other factors, too. And there's a lot of factors we just never know about. I mean, I've heard of some interesting factors playing playing a role in how stuff is booked. Yep. Um, and you just don't know. Sometimes it just comes down to like the weirdest thing. Hey, the network wants this shot of this thing, so we kind of have to make this match happen. Because why would we do it? Uh, we'll just do something real quick and make it so people want it. You know, like it's you know, um, or someone shows up for no reason and leaves, and you go, "What was that about?" It's like, well, the network needed a shot for a video package we're putting together. I mean, like yeah. <clears throat> sometimes you just don't. It's sometimes it's not as complicated as. There, sometimes it's just as simple as that. I think is what I'm saying. You know, sometimes it's as easy as they just need a shot for a video package. They just need a line for a promo package. They just, you know what I mean? They're yeah. I also every- kind of think like they keep emphasizing the draft so much that maybe that's there. Like they were just biding time to hit the draft, and that's when they've got creative plans. They're going to kick in hard. That's my thought too. I'm thinking that a lot of it was get to backlash and get to the draft and then we'll get going again. The thing is, is that they're starting the draft this week, this Friday before backlash. 
yeah, which seemed a little cart and horse, you know. Definitely cart horse. Also, I am. I mean, I guess I really should have double checked, gone back somewhere. I could have sworn they announced it was the week after backlash that the month that the draft was going to be in the first time they announced the draft this time around. I could have sworn they said starting like May 7th or 8th or something. And I was like, oh, perfect. Going to do backlash in the draft. This makes a ton of sense. And then all of a sudden they just announced it. Nope, starting this week, which also feels really weird. Like, why are they doing it right now? They did a draft a number of years back, like two or three years ago. And it was, well, actually, it couldn't have been two or three years ago. It had to have been three or four years ago because Jericho was in it. I remember because. That's when Jericho and Kevin Owens were going back and forth with the U.S. title and that and the list and the list. And part of that draft was the story of, well, loser leaves SmackDown or some shit like that. But then they also yeah. had a week before it. And one dude was like drafted to SmackDown and one dude was drafted to Raw. So you're like, so the guy who drafted to Raw is going to go to Raw? Like he's gonna lose the match, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah, that's basically what's happening." And like it totally spoiled the pay per view. Yeah. Now PM, premium live event, but premium live event. God, I hate that rebranding. Like, we'll just call it a pay per view. <laughs> Everybody does... else does. Oh, I love it. The PLEs. But it does feel really weird. It feels like a lot's going on. So what I was thinking, what we might do mm. instead of going beat for beat every segment is just talking about a few things that we thought were notable, that we thought were discussion worthy and talk about that instead of like doing a full on review of here's everything that happened, talking about, oh, hey, this thing popped up and I want to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, and maybe I'm, we'll just go in chronological order. Like the the whole LWO thing just as a whole has got me shook. So here's... So here's the thing about the LWO, because that's what I wanted to start with as well, is I love the group. I -hmm. love that the addition to Rey Mysterio into Legata created the LWO, more or less. It does make it feel like you still have two separate entities in a larger group. Mm -hmm. It does feel like a faction still within a larger group. I think it also leaves open space to add more people, like a Conan as a mouthpiece. You know what I mean? Like, uh, like you can even bring in Dragon Lee from NXT. He can eventually get called up into LWO or something, and he's already got a couple of mouthpieces to take care of him. Like, things like that, you know? Kind of like how Impact did Team Canada back in the day, where they just had, like, this massive fucking stable. Yeah. Like, you have room. I mean, it doesn't even have to be too massive, but it leaves room for people to come and go, right? Like, it leaves an umbrella. I loved it, the new music. Mm-hmm. Starting with the old Eddie Viva La Rasa. Yeah. That was awesome. I love and it's a remix of one of his old his old theme. Yeah. Yeah. Which like there was a lot of and this is my problem with it as a whole. There was a lot of hype and there was a lot of name, there was a lot of brand slapping, not just of Ray, but also of Eddie, who, you know, by and large is one of the most over superstars, even in death. Mm-hmm. And to this point, they practically shat on them, you know, and that, you know, they've been used to put over everybody else. And it feels like, well, why the hell did you do this in the first place? Why did you put so much history, so much emphasis to bring something like this back only to do this to them? I saw someone make a comment. And to be honest, I think it might have been part of Chavo Guerrero's 
whole Twitter breakdown mm-hmm. about Eddie, but he made comment about how LWO lost a lot as well. They're like, they're taking everything, even their losing streak, you know, like that, uh, because LWO was WCW and it wasn't Rey Mysterio, it was Eddie, and they weren't a strong faction in WCW. They were no. almost a leftover faction. It was almost like, hey, everybody's an NWO, red or white, and then there's some WCW. Well, what about us? And it was like basically the cruiserweight division of all the luchas created the LWO, but they also never became a massive, powerful entity. You know what I mean? Well, and a lot of that changed because the LWO in its own way call them what you will, you know, like LAX, you know, because I, I love hearkening back to Impact, but it's like there's always been some semblance of a faction, and a lot of it started at the LWO branding for WCW. And yeah, they were shat on in WCW, but other factions similar to them, based on that same concept, had really successful runs. Hell, even with um, AEW, Mm-hmm. You know, you're starting to see uh, Santana and Ortiz are starting to get a nice bit of push behind them and that sort of grouping. So it just seems like maybe WWE is behind the ball in this because it could be huge. This could be a moneymaker for them. Yeah, I don't see what you're saying about AEW because my understanding is Santana and Ortiz has been tagged in a couple of years that they're on the outs. They're not. But I mean, if they're back together, then cool. But I do agree that regardless of where LWO started, here is an opportunity to give it a lot more oomph coming into it. With something that was going to be beloved and well-received anyways. I almost wonder if that whole thing that blew up on Instagram uh, intra-family might have something to do with it as well. Like they don't want to put too much behind it until it has clear delineation of what's going on. I can't imagine they would be too concerned about that just because it didn't really it didn't directly involve eddie in any way it wasn't like some old skeleton of eddie's was dug up this was yeah and all they have to do is just not bring in vicky and that stuff's not going to get brought up you know what i mean yeah i was the one who was trying to make the connection yeah like all right buddy but yeah, I agree that I really like so much about the LWO presentation. I even love that Escobar got uh, Eddie Guerrero-style uh, boots and everything. Yep. I think Zelina. Awesome, but yeah. Zelina's that cherry on top for me. Yes. Yeah. What do you think about Zelina trying to go for Rhea at Backlash? I think Zelina stays ring-ready. 100% of the time, she's got some shoot skills. If they work a good match, even if she loses, it, it'll put a good stamp. And that might be something to tip the LWO with. Because yeah. if you... I pay attention to her social media, like her and her, her husband. Uh, like, he's... Like, Alistair, as it were. Uh, he's got some legit skills mm-hmm. with kickboxing. He's trained her. And she's been all about it, you know, for years. So they can make this something really magical. They just got to do it, not just, you know, make it a squash match. Uh, We'll see. I will, to play devil's advocate, kickboxing does not translate to wrestling much at all. Uh, I know Medusa style did. Harking back to her a little bit because she was kickboxer first and she 
added a ton of strikes to her thing, but Medusa was also a she was she had the size and yeah. she was with other tough women, so the striking was part of the thing. Neither Zelina or Rhea are doing a lot of striking to begin with. Well, it's been also a while since you've seen her in the ring. And I mean, if you look at somebody like Riddle, who was, you know, Matt Riddle was a legit MMA competitor. MMA is way different than kickboxing. Yes, but and, he's translated that in to some degree yes. in of his kicks. But watching Matt Riddle punch Finn Balor, you <laughs> think, oh, yeah, he might punch Finn Balor and make him bleed. Watching Zelina punch Rhea Ripley looks like child playing with their parent and you know what i mean like she just can't do strikes there's just not it's not gonna work it won't translate the kicks might but it depends on how it's gonna how it's gonna look and as much as i really like zelina and i do i have yet to see a match of hers that top to bottom was impressive so hopefully she's been doing a ton of training and hopefully it does come together and because something awesome because i do agree that if you can have zelina be a believable competitor then that adds a whole other layer to LWO that's really cool. And it would give, you know, right now they're on the losing streak, but it gives that, you know, babyface faction, you know, kind of gets that that whole thing going on so that Jeff and Dale have somebody to feud with that's right around their size in terms of membership. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of losing streaks, I had a thought about the Viking Raiders. Because it it also kind of played into we saw a really cool video of Shinsuke, mm-hmm. where they were talking about his jujitsu background and his submission abilities, and they made him look like a badass. And you go, oh yeah, Shinsuke is a badass. I think they're going to let him wrestle strong style personally. They're going to let him go. I think there'll be something in between, uh, kind of like what um. Again, putting over YouTube.com slash Queen of Carnage. Medusa mm. talked about it with Asuka, that she has a very Americanized version of strong style that the women yeah. do. That that there is a difference still, but it also looks very impressive when Asuka does it because it's that middle ground. She brings a lot of the Japanese style to America, but has Americanized it so it's not quite the full strong style because uh, Americans might not know how to handle that. And I think maybe we get that with Shinsuke, too a very Americanized version of strong style, maybe kind of like what we saw him sort of doing NXT. Yeah. But my also, my, my other thought is this is, is I think of Shinsuke and I think of the Viking Raiders and I think of what they did in NJPW. And there's a lot of reasonable criticism for what they never have been in WWE that they were in Japan. Well, NXT both were, you know, amazing, phenomenal powerhouse, you know, badasses. And the, the moment they got called to the main roster, I mean, they gave Shinsuke a little bit of the longer run with it, but the Viking Raiders, they pretty much, they packaged them, repackaged them, repackaged them again inside of six months. Yeah. And that hurt them a lot. And then they had the losing streak. And then they just disappeared off TV, which any momentum they had, done. Well, yeah, because they're 
you keep saying they're repackaging or you you say they repackage them over and over again but realistically their package has been largely the same with the smallest tweaks it's not like a corbin repackage where he goes from a constable to a king to a you know i mean this is the viking raiders the viking experience to the viking raiders which is a one week thing it wasn't that long and then the and one then it's the vicious vikings you know what i mean uh like we're having a very same gimmick with a slightly changed name or face paint well but the the repackaging always hinders on the fact that here they are now more brutal than ever and then they come out and win two jobber matches and then lose four major matches right and And that's yeah it's like the club like you know what they were going for but it doesn't have that same thing like Gallows and anderson first you know came back to the company as a tag team after that stint in new japan you know, they came in out of the crowd and beat some ass, and then losing shit. Yeah, that's what I was trying to get to, is I'm wondering if part of, like, because the club is another good example, but the club's also a great example, the Good Brothers, of, I think, what the where, the, where I'm going with it. I wonder yeah. if part okay. of what the WWE company sees from New Japan is people who are capable of, that are already they just need a little polish but that they're not their long-term hang your hat on types that they need believable tag teams they need believable people they need people who can have those matches who can go the distance but we're not anchoring to them we just need a full robust roster so when we have the Braun Strowman and Ricochet that we want to anchor on or the Gunther that we want to anchor on uh or any number of, or the the Riddle RKO we want to anchor on that they have teams they can go through that are there and who can can do that. Whereas with like the Good Brothers, they actually and and I think that wonder, maybe they're wondering, hey, the, the, what they did in Japan was the peak of their career, not by a booking stance, but like, oh, they're just they're getting older now, right? And yeah. the, the age thing is, you know, such Stupid. a wash conversation, but. I'm wondering if the company sees it as, oh, yeah, the Raiders, they did what they did, and that's awesome. But they'll be winding down their career over the next – we can probably get their, get them another 10 years out of them and use them to help get the rest over. You know what I mean? Like I'm wondering if their thought is Japan was their physical peak, and now here's a bunch of people they can wind down their careers in WWE and put over the next generation. You well, know what I mean? You would think that they would have learned their lesson with AJ Styles because initially they thought he was just going to be some mid-cutter nobody gave a shit about. And night one, it was the pop that nobody believed he would get. Even even he himself, Uncle Alan, didn't even think he would get that kind of yeah. reaction. But, you know, Shinsuke, NXT, Asuka, who was originally introduced as Kana. I love mm. pointing that out. Um... You know, a lot of these people they bring over, they they have such hype behind them because we're no longer in that bubble. Like, and they've started to address that with commentary. Like, you you can say all you want that this is the only place that matters. That's great, but if you don't acknowledge where they came from, by and large, the art, internet community already knows. Your predominant audience already knows because it's out there. It's no longer just compartmentalized. Well, I think that you shot yourself in the foot on that one because it is compartmentalized. Just because the by saying the internet community, for mm. something to trend on the internet, you need a thousand tweets. Yeah. 
I'm not talking about that part. I'm talking about knowledge. Like, right. How much of their 2 million viewers do you think follow Wrestling Inc.? I would probably say a good, a good majority. I mean, it's still like who just randomly shows up and has no interest in wrestling to watch who doesn't have their favorites, who doesn't, you know, sitting there a with their phone on the toilet. That I, most of the people I know outside of when I dig into the wrestling community online mm-hmm. don't know any, they don't even know who Dave Meltzer is. Well, you know what I mean? Like he's they a just, reporter. That, that's their, that, I'm talking about their so wrestling. Dave Meltzer is a reporter who's been doing it for 40 years. We know who he is. We know who he is. Not to say that we like him or go to him for info or subscribe to his newsletter, but if you dig up on anything online, you're going to come across his name. And that's what I mean is they don't even know the longest. They don't know any of the stuff. They don't know about the other stuff, dude. And even when growing up, like I didn't really start watching other until Nitro hit TNT. I didn't know about the NWA. I didn't know about WCW. It took me years to find that stuff out. I mean, now the internet's opened up and it wasn't at the time. So there's all yeah. that, right? But if you go there and you, I'm telling you, it's a minority that knows all of it, which is also cool because then you can have a video package like the Shinsuke thing and get people to go, oh shit, I didn't know he was such a badass everywhere. That's cool. It doesn't take much for the, the audience that does go. And that's the other thing. The majority of friends I have who want to go to wrestling shows with me when they come to town don't even watch it. They just know I watch it and they know I'm going to go. And so then they'll go with me. And yeah, the, by and large, everyone who's sitting around me doesn't watch week to week. And they're just there screaming and yelling because it's a fun time. You hey, know what I mean? In my case, it's, <clears throat> and maybe it's the East Coast, West Coast sort of gimmick here. Mm-hmm. But. Around me, you know, you either watch it or you don't. People might humor you and sit through it, but for the most part, if you're a fan, you have your favorites, you know about them, you know where they've come from, and a lot of that's been, by and large, Flappy Birds reading, yeah, as I call it. <laughs> but that is to say, it doesn't take much to tweak the the knowledge of the audience anyways. True. And it is interesting that I wonder if, and I don't, I don't we're not going to get to an answer, but I wonder if they're vision of when they're bringing over the Japanese stars and I don't mean that strictly as in Japanese heritage but the stars of Japan right I'm wondering if they think of them as a downward slope where the talent probably doesn't and the fans like us who know them definitely doesn't and I wonder if um and you'd think like you said they'd learn lessons from AJ they'd learn their lessons just from NXT and how popular they were able to get those acts in nxt but also the good brothers left after being like really kind of grinded down in wwe they left and they kind of showed that they still had gas in the tank you know what i mean oh yeah and then they came back and they kind of were back to where they were which is weird and that It, and that's really what it is. Like, you know, you have some people that translated well. And Balor translated really well. They've got behind him, you know, a full lot and then some. And then you've had some like the Viking Raiders and the club and all of that. It just didn't. And it'll forever be a mystery. <laughs> Where do you think we're going long term with Judgment Day? Because uh, they're really putting a lot of gas behind them. 
I they're think... on both shows all the time, and they haven't lost in a long time. I think they're going to go the way of um, uh, the, uh, the Shield. I think they're going to go mm. the way of the Shield. That it, it's going to be that grand betrayal. And I don't think it's going to come from Finn. I think they've been putting a lot more power behind Damian Priest, and I think he's going to flip. And he's going to take out Dom. He's going to take out and the whole thing's going to implode and then he mm. can start getting a singles push because let's face it he's got all the marks they put yeah. he's the badass of judgment day the enforcer as they call him yeah yeah hmm. so, yeah I, I do want to see where it goes um before we there's two more things i think that we want to well i mean i don't think there's a lot to say about it other than fucking job well done gunther and woods oh yeah Gunther's man great. awesome like uh, Gunther is a class act. He's been if because I don't think most people know a lot of his European stuff. You know, he's just amazing, and yeah. he's, he's getting a lot, and he needs it. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's incredible, and so's Woods. For oh time. yeah. Oh no, yeah. no, not taking any weight anything from him. Yeah, Woods is awesome. So, yeah, that was a great match. Uh, you said before that you wanted to talk about the women's tag match, Raquel and Liv against Sonya and Chelsea. Yeah. The, what I like about this, and <laughs> I know it's weird, is they've got this, you know, Raquel and Liv have this, she's the more calm, cool, collected, you know, power, and Liv is just like that spunky dog ready to pick a fight. I love that she called her as a nickname, Lokita. Look, yeah, that really that got me in there. They're versus the Karens, as I call them. Yeah, yeah. You know? Or uh, some people have been calling them the complaint department, which I think is funny. Yeah. And then they went through this match, and it was kind of that heels get their comeuppance classic sort of thing where they went back and forth, and you know, they tried, you know, to to do the whole thing, and you know, it came back with a callback to last week with the water in the face, and, you know, it was like, okay, we can play this game too. And it, it's like that feud. You can tell there's more to it and it's going to be more going long-term. Yeah. Did you feel, cause there was, there was almost like a little extra cheating for me from the good guys, because it's not like they just threw the water in the face and did the win. Cause then that would be like, Hey, you're getting what's coming to you. But then Raquel also, cheated like yeah. pushed live into the pin and gave her leverage and so then in a match where the story is that the bad guys keep trying to cheat because they did sonia and chelsea were constantly trying to cheat to win and the ref kept spotting it and saying oh nope oh nope and at the end it was all like oh but the good guys can out cheat the bad guys and i was like uh that's a little yeah, yeah. but at the same time they you know they Sonia and, and Chelsea both tried to cheat that same similar way. So I kind of feel like that was the, the sort of, oh, well, we can do it better sort of thing. But isn't the whole point of the good guy to be all like, I don't have to break the rules to win? I, you would think that, but, you know, <laughs> we, the attitude error ruined everything for all of us. That's a good point. <laughs> But I did. I mean, I like I like the the 
I mean, I like all the characters there. Raquel's just the only one that comes off so bland, and not even in wrestling, just as a character. She's just kind of there, and I'm not sure why. Her music I don't like, and I don't know. I want to like her more than than. She's just she's only been on the main roster what three four like months a year. Really good God. Yeah. She's been up a while. She's been up not that much. She came up not that far behind Rhea. That's rough. That's what I mean. Like she still feels like they don't know what they're doing with her as a character, even. But and they may uh, not. Yeah, but I do like I like the I like a lot of what's going on in that. I, I just feels there's like a, we have, I don't know. there's a good dynamic between both teams, and that you, yeah. you can't really buy that it's either there or it isn't. Yeah. Uh, the last thing I want to say about SmackDown, let's talk Raw, is uh, uh, Karrion Cross. I really liked his video here because he's been such a weird character in so many ways of so many like gaps in logic. And he always comes mm-hmm. off. His presentation is always top notch. But then like you're not sure what the hell is happening. Like he's losing the big matches, but he's saying that everyone's time is up and fall and pray. But then he can't win the match. And you're like, what the fuck is he so confident about if he just keeps losing right this one was really cool because the breakdown was that his win isn't necessarily the one two three it's his win is taking something from someone and watching them snap afterwards and then he kind of breaks down every one of his feuds and how everyone on the other side of it has been different they've changed in one way or another their character's gone a different direction and that's because he was grinding down a specific aspect about that person intentionally not to get the win but to take something from them almost like a, almost like a highlander you know what i mean like i'll get power from your demise you know what i mean and even if you win i got that one bit of essence from you like a skexies from dark crystal yeah even if you win you lose yes i I love his promos. He's always been top-notch. I love the fact they have the band back together. Scarlet is amazing, and I hope to one day see her back in the ring. Um, but I do feel like a part of me is going, this is what they did to Alistair Black. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe that's where they took their mistakes and, you know, did better with Cross. But They also like did I, it with Bray, like twice. Yeah. <laughs> I know they're waiting for his ass to come back. So, because that, that's one of the things they want to capitalize on. Because he's, as much as people want to bitch about his promos, you're still watching. You still yeah. gravitate attention. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, it sucks that it, you know, it hurt. It, it hit Lashley, but it didn't hurt Lashley. Yes. You know, and, and that's all these darker characters. I don't think I have the same sociopathic undertones that yeah. Cross puts over. Like, Cross is that villain where, yeah, you're going to win the match, but I'm taking a piece of you with me. And I like that. It's so different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's sick. And I've always liked Cross. I thought he's. I, I still don't understand the people who say that he was boring in NXT. It's like, what were you watching, dude? Like, he was yeah, fucking. Like- he got the best out of Kyle O'Reilly outside of Finn. Finn and yeah. Cross's um the way they, they worked with Kyle O'Reilly was the best stuff that Kyle ever did in NXT. But Yeah, you're right, one hundred percent. Uh well let's talk some raw. Okay. 
He's awesome. It opened up with Cody Rhodes talking mad shit, and then he starts stripping. Yeah. I even like that as he's getting his shirt off, you see him go, it's taking longer than I thought. I'm sorry. Like, he's looking (laughs) at the camera. Like, I thought it was going to come off much quicker. So, uh, he loves breaking that fourth wall. Yeah. And then he throws the shirt into the audience, the tie into the audience. Like, I liked this promo, and I, I mean, I liked it more than uh, there's been a couple he's had that ran a little long. This one didn't feel that way. Um, I liked Finn Balor coming out and talking some shit, trying to get him to join the Judgment Day. I thought that was cool. Uh, but you know, there was a, a few holes here, here and there. But Cody's on fire, man. The crowd fucking loves him. At some point, I would love to see you know, well, especially when he had the whole thing of how he wanted to fuck up Brock Lesnar and Adam Pierce is trying to calm him down. I wanted him to see go full stone cold and pop Adam Pierce a couple times. Mm. You know, really take it to him and give him a reason not to touch. Yeah. Um, shout out to Bishop and his terrible wrestling takes. He uh, was on Twitter when this was happening, and he said, "So to prove to Brock Lesnar he might be able to beat him, he's going to take on a guy who's a quarter of his size and Finn Balor." Yeah. Uh, I think the reason that's terrible is: Did you ever see Brock Lesnar versus Finn Balor, twenty nineteen Royal Rumble? Yeah, Finn, Finn fucking post to post. Yeah, Finn nearly beat Brock. AJ nearly beat Brock. Daniel Bryan nearly beat Brock. It's not that Brock can't be beat. It's that Brock's going to win. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and Brock had to turn up uh, the Kimura to get Finn. Yep. Which he hadn't done in a long time. He never even F5'd Finn, I don't think, in that match. But like. That's what I recall. Yeah. Finn also almost beat Roman. Mm-hmm. That was the story of the Roman match. If it weren't for the turntable or the turnbuckle breaking, the Finn was likely going to win it. So much so that after the match, Roman looked up to the sky with prayer hands. Like, thank you, God, for helping me retain here. So don't undermine Finn Balor based off his size, especially from someone like a bishop who says, I take what I watch on TV and that's how I translate it. Well, you missed a couple big matches in that. <laughs> yeah, you you missed a lot, actually. Yeah, you missed you look, a few spots. Like, his feud with Edge was every match was just amazing. Oh, yeah, it was good. Uh, but, yeah, Finn Balor's not the powerhouse type. That doesn't mean Finn Balor's not capable. And, in, and every time that Finn Balor has lost in the big matches, it was in a match where you were like, oh, my God, he's going to win. And I will say, as someone in the crowd, 2019 Rumble, Finn Balor versus Brock, yeah, all I, of us in our section were like, "Oh, such a bummer! Finn's going to come out here and take the take the loss." And we were all saying, "Like, is it going to be the demon?" And it was like, "It can't be the demon. He can't take this loss. You can't do it." And then when he came out without the demon, it was like, "All right, he's definitely losing. Definitely losing." Halfway into that match, all of us were like standing up, grabbing each other's shoulders, like, "Oh my god, Finn's going to fucking win! They're going to do it! They're going to put it on Finn!" Like, and that we thought it was happening because he was able to tell that story and Brock was able to sell that story. So it's not like Finn's nobody who can't win. Oh yeah. Like, he just loses a lot. <laughs> yeah. Or it's gotta be in some way like the dude by himself is amazing. And then some, and mm-hmm. you know, he's a great heel Prince Devitt, you know, being what he is. Yeah. You know, they, I don't know Bishop. I love Bishop, but Bishop is not always right. 
This is where I get fired. (laughs) No, that was one where I was all like, dude, do you even watch Finn Balor? (laughs) Do you even Balor, bro? Yeah, do you even Balor, bro? (laughs) Like, yeah, Finn's going to lose, but it's not going to be easy. Yeah. (laughs) Like, even with the Edge match, I mean, the dude was split open with 14 staples, and it still kept going. Dude, I love that WWE posted the picture of him getting his head stapled. And he got the the shirt staples, staples fourteen Balor staples fourteen yeah. Finn, yeah, <laughs> like fucking crazy, dude. Uh, yeah, I mean that's the other thing too is he got his head stapled and has wrestled every show since. Mm-hmm. Edge hasn't, Cody no. hasn't. <laughs> you know what nope. I mean? Because these guys were guys who were not cleared to wrestle. Fucking Finn, you could see his brain from forehead to neck. And he's all like, no, I'm still cleared. I can go. And they're like, yeah, you can. You're fine. Yeah. Jesus. I almost imagine it's somewhere back there. Him and uh, Seamus are going, fuck this. Takes a couple of shots. Let's do this. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Uh, Let's talk about the big thing. Mm -hmm. Moving into Raw. Let's talk a little CM Punk real quick. Okay. The rumors went flying. I'm sure you saw it because you said you're part of internet wrestling. That's what you said. You said it, not me. No, I said I observed, not part of. Mm, well, uh, <laughs> CM Punk was spotted in the parking lot with Tamina. Video leaked online, and then it was CM Punk is in, in the arena. Uh, the story, as it kind of all broke down, was that he was on a flight from Florida to Chicago. And a lot of the talent were on that flight, and they were talking, and somehow or another it came to be that maybe he should just kind of show up and bury the hatchet, is what it kind of sounds like. A little bit of like, uh, let's bury the hatchet with some of this, some of these these fellas. And he went there, and they say that he talked to Miz and Tamina and probably Natty and you know people who he noticed. But that he got he that he was spotted. He shook Triple H's hand, said, "Can I talk to you for two minutes?" maybe hang around for the show. And he said, I got to ask the big guy walked away. And minutes later, security was like, all right, man, you got to go. And he's like, all right, cool. I'll go. There's been a lot of speculation about what this was about. Is he trying to get back in? I wonder, like, it's not that big of a stretch that in the midst of all of this AEW stuff, he looks back at a lot of things and says, yeah, I was kind of a dick to other people too at times. And what for? Like, this is where I'm at now. This, yeah. is what, this is the situation I'm at. And then just seeing that they're all kind of there and just wanting to say, I'm sorry for a lot of that other shit. Not that I want back in, but I didn't realize the pressure you were under and I didn't handle that pressure any better. Uh, Freddie Prince on his podcast a while back said that Triple H told him once that the only difference between CM Punk and the John Cena's is that CM Punk wouldn't be able to handle the pressure that those guys have that he's mad that he's not there, but, and he's, he, the CM Punk would uh, uh, like trash triple H for how he was as a top influence person in the back, but that given the same exact opportunity, the same exact power, he would be no different. And maybe he's looking at all the stuff and saying, oh, yeah, I really wasn't all that different. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, Eddie Kingston pulled that shit out with that his promo on Punk uh, and AEW. 
Yeah, and it wasn't that far from the Punk promo that he cut on Triple H. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder if he's looking back on it now with all these months of silence, but nobody talking to him. Apparently, they say that he's not allowed to talk to a lot of the guys. <laughs> well, he's, I wonder if he's not reflecting on it a little bit and saying, yeah, maybe I had it all wrong at the time. And maybe it's worth going in there and saying, hey, sorry about being all wrong about it at the time. Yeah, maybe burying the hatchet would be the thing to do. Yeah. Give me one second. I apologize. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, But yeah, I also think there's a lot of people who are speculating too much on one side or the other on he definitely was here for this and he definitely wasn't here for that. None of us really know, but it's not a big stretch to assume that he may have been there just because they were there. He's got a whole different aspect. And a lot of people are putting a lot of weight on why he was asked to leave saying like, Oh, that's a sign that they're never going to work with him again. Or Oh, triple H said this, or Vince McMahon said that. And I think that it's also very reasonable to assume that when CM Punk was having that breakdown, he said, I'm trying to have run a fucking business here. Then it came out that he was, I don't know if he was like an EVP, but he was definitely playing that role of being a decision maker for AEW. Yeah. And so it's also like, because people were trying to point out, you know, Malachi Black's been backstage, Andrade's been backstage. They were there for, Buddy Murphy was there for the Hall of Fame. All these people have been there and allowed to be there and allowed to hang out. And they're like, well, what's so different about Punk? Well, they weren't decision makers. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, Well, and Punk has kind of a history yeah and they don't want him stirring up shit while things are going on and i i get it and it's going to take a while for them to you know rebuild those bridges but you know especially with the, the all the reports about you know him getting you know put on hiatus because of some backstage brawl and shit like that like that that hurt his case a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That hurt a lot of it. And so, yeah, I want, I, I think that it's a lot more innocent, a lot more simple. He was there because in hindsight, he was really hard on people. He didn't need to be hard on. And they asked him to leave because with foresight, you're under contract to the competitor and you're a decision maker and you have Tony's ear better than anybody. Andrade goes to Tony and says, I think I want to do this thing. doesn't mean it's going to happen. CM Punk says, I want to do this thing. It's going to happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. It sounds like, and who knows? It's all rumor. I don't know. If I can... well, no, it sounds it, like it, they're creating yeah. a Saturday show strictly for Punk to have a playground. You know what I mean? Like, that's a decision maker. So it's way different to have Buddy Murphy backstage than CM Punk backstage. Well, You're that, not going to get Jericho backstage. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's exactly what it is, I think. You know, you have your... Locker room leaders are not the people you want hanging out backstage, not because they're not good dudes, not because they're not nice people, but because they're part of the competition and ultimately it's a business. Yeah. And the other thing is we know that CM Punk's got more years on his contract, not days or months. So even if you wanted to bury the hatchet and just make sure that, hey, when my contract's up, we're good to talk, you're talking about like three years, four years out. So no, we have nothing to talk about. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm surprised we haven't heard about MJF. Oh, because I think it's all fake. Yeah, but it doesn't sound fake to me. It's because there's always a there's always a touch of shoot in 
see those promos. No. With MJF, I don't think they're shooting any of his promos. I haven't bought a single thing he said for a long time. So yeah, no, I don't. I think the reason you don't hear more about MJF is because the fake shit gets washed under the real shit that's happening. You know what I mean? And MJF is fake shit all the time. No, I, I am definitely you know waiting to see. But in comparison, who would I who would I end up seeing first in my mind? I think you'd see MJF before you'd be seeing Hulkback. And as far as WWE is concerned, not just 100%. because. You know, who's a decision maker, but more so their backstage interactions and the way shit's been handled and the way they handle themselves. It's entirely different. Yeah, 100%. I think, I think, yeah, absolutely. MJF would end up in WWF before or WWE before Punk. But I, uh, I don't think people are talking about MJF because, for one, that's even if you believe the rumors of his contract, that's January. I don't believe that that's actually when his contract is up. Um, I think it's uh, later than that, and I think that the idea is that they want to build towards a story into into January of will he, won't he, and then he stays, and then it's not actually for another six months to a year when his contract is actually up that real negotiations start again, you know? Um, But that's my thought. Uh, And the only reason I brought that up is because, you know, CM Punk is a divisive person like love him or hate him he gets as similar to the john cena tribute but his is backstage not with the crowd yeah and that, that hurts you a lot <laughs> yeah that's not great uh but that does lead into there was a uh, triple h was announced to be making a huge announcement game-changing announcement and i said it when they talked about the draft where he said this draft is going to change the game and he smirked and i was like oh there's going to be a big shift because of the draft i wonder what that is like there's going to be something well this appears to be what it is <clears throat> they unveiled the new world heavyweight championship and it's a, a belt designed to look like an homage to the big gold belt it was the nwa belt that was uh, acquired at the time of wcw's incarnation and it was the wcw world heavyweight championship it was the one that was brought over from a design aspect, I think it's awesome. Oh that. yeah, like it—it yeah. it screams championship belt. Doesn't look god awful and awkward. It—it it really looks great. Yeah, I think it's amazing. I love it. I—I I think it's really funny that people are saying complaining about the logo in the center. People are even saying it looks like the Intercontinental Championship. And then when I was when I heard that, I went. Uh, I was actually after that that I was able to see the Gunther match. I just watched it yesterday. And so you get like really good shots on the Intercontinental Championship and you go, oh, it looks nothing like it. It just has the logo in the center and that's what you guys are with gold around it. Like you guys are ridiculous. At least it doesn't have a spinner on it. Jesus. Right? And that's the other thing is I saw people who were saying that they really preferred like their favorite belt was the, the John Cena spinner belt. And I was like, well, they had a giant spinning logo. Like, And then the people who are complaining about it, like they're negating the fact that AEW's logos dead center of their of their championship aw put tnt's logo in the middle of their championship they put tbs's logo in the middle of the, they put other companies logo in the middle of the championships uh ufc their logo is dead center and big mm-hmm. uh njpw has the big iwgp in there yep like it's not it's strange. time of memorial like 
every company, territories and previous shit, even the carnies. You know, your logo was always front and center because that was part of the marketing. Still is. Nothing's changed. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's the marketing of the thing. You're saying that there are world champion, not any random world champion. You don't want a big giant gold belt that says world champion and has no logo on it. Yeah. People say world champion of what? Where? You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) it's just, to me, it's ridiculous. And it's not even that big of a logo. It is bigger than the one on the IC belt. Uh, But I thought it was a great compromise for the the world championship uh, design. I love it. The only thing I think that could have made it touch better and this is a minor complaint as i would have loved to have seen more detail in the artistry it is a little bit uh rounded for my taste mm-hmm. but overall it's a gorgeous belt i couldn't be happier at least it doesn't look like a fruit roll-up yeah <laughs> yeah i love the look of it but here comes the problems with it okay this, this triple h came out and shit on everybody and everything. This whole promo was... It's, it sucks because he says that Romans are fraud. He says that the roster's not good enough. That we can't book the championship in a different way. We're going to probably hunker down on the brand split. Like it... There was nothing about his promo in this thing that made anyone look good. It sounded like a promo that said, look, we fucked up. Roman's got both titles. We really want titles on both shows. We know the fans aren't happy about it. I don't agree with it. I don't like it, but it's Roman, so here we are. No one's good enough to beat him, which is also a crazy thing to say just from, for one, in a storyline context, it's saying none of our roster is good enough. From an out-of-storyline context, it's saying we don't know how to book a loss for Roman anymore. Like, we don't know how to book this. So it sounded really shitty there. It made Roman sound stupid because he goes, the champion of this title will fight for your respect. They won't demand you acknowledge them. They won't show up when they want. Oh, Roman brokered a great deal where he doesn't need to show up, and now we don't know how to get the title off of him. It made every, it made the booker sound bad. It made the roster sound bad, and it made Roman sound bad. I was oh, like, the, "You just shit all over this belt." He just shit on Vince McMahon <laughs> and Vince, but also himself, because for the past X number of months, you've been the one in charge. You booked WrestleMania. You could have gotten the belts off Roman if you knew Roman was just going to go away for a while. Well, you know what I mean? I call this the Brock Lesnar problem because it's not the first time we've seen this shit. Okay? Mm-hmm. When Brock Lesnar had the titles, he was literally only working pay-per-view. Didn't show up like they're, they're back in the same problem. And nobody could beat Brock. And it took three or four matches with Roman before they got the title off of him. And I don't think they want to do that again. And, you know, maybe to tear it back down to build something back up and Maybe this is part of the authority versus the bloodline. Maybe we're, we're going into that program. Yeah, I could see uh, Seth or Cody working with Triple H to take down the bloodline kind of a deal. But at the same time, like th- that may be the problem you've created. But your solution is, here's a belt for everyone else. Here's a belt for everyone that's not good enough to beat Roman. Yeah, that... Like, you've already made it look lesser than and i actually here's the other part that's frustrating i actually agree with the concept of what they're doing here 
You absolutely should have two titles on two different brands. And you did for a long time. And now you've booked Roman into a position where you don't want him there every week. Because it's at the end of the day, it's your fucking contract, man. You tell people when to show up to work, right? You've booked him into a position where you don't want him there every week. You don't even want him on both shows once a week, like, or one show once a week. You've booked it to where he's taken the titles from both brands and walked away. That's how you've booked it. And now it's like, well, we need a title on this one, which I agree with and I'm excited for. And I do think we should. But at the same time, like you said, the Brock Lesnar problem. Well, what the Brock Lesnar problem did is they combined the two titles once they were being held by somebody because they were going to be an undisputed champion. And they created a singular title belt that was called the Undisputed Championship. That was on one show, and then the other one was on the other show. And then and then during that time frame, that's when Brock was only wanted to be on SmackDown and only wanted to defend on pay-per-views or whatever. And so in storyline, Eric Bischoff shows up with the big gold belt and hands it to Triple H. So you were because yeah. you're the number one contender, I'm just going to make you this champion because you're on a different show and you're not going to go over there, right? So logistically, it kind of made sense. Looking at it in hindsight, because I don't remember it live. I wasn't really watching a ton then. In hindsight, you can say, yeah, it makes sense logically because he's the number one contender. He's not on the show that has the champion. You need to have championships on both shows. Here you go. We've got the split. Now you have this title and and away you go. And in hindsight, you can say Triple H's big gold title defense matches and championship matches and Edge versus Undertaker. It created a whole bunch of amazing classic matches but the lineage wasn't the same, and there's always been that debate. And I've seen people who've been com- excited about this and complaining about Roman and saying how Roman's so good and saying that this does not undermine the lineage. I've also seen those people in the past complain about lineage. Like I saw somebody specifically who was excited about Kofi Mania because no black champion has ever been the WWE champion lineage-wise. That there had been Mark Henry holding the world heavyweight, and uh, and then there's the whole rock argument, which is a back and forth thing, and I don't want to get into that because that's not my place. But I saw that argument before, right? That Mark Henry and any of the black champions that you knew were holding the blue gold during a time when the undisputed existed, and the undisputed held the, the WWE champion. So, yeah, just to say that there is a difference, and now people who are backing Roman are saying there's not, and I've seen people flip a little on that. So for me, I'm super upset because I want to be excited and I think it's the right move and I think it's exciting and I love the belt, but it's promo shit on everybody. Yeah, uh, it absolutely did. And I do think it was more of a shot at prior booking. Like mm-hmm. I, I kind of felt like last year was the let's unfuck everything that's been done and now we're starting to get into a little more of uh, new creative so, you know, maybe that's their way of just kind of putting everybody on even keel rather than Roman's the top and nobody can beat him. Now it's that's not the way this is going to work anymore. I guess. I also think that it highlighted the mistake of not having Cody win. Yes. Because a, a, a Cody character could have easily. I see I see it in hindsight as two possibilities, right? You could have a Cody saying I want your word that 
no one from the bloodline is going to be ringside, not even Paul Heyman. I want no one. I want you and me one-on-one, and that is it. And I could see Roman saying, well, what do I get out of it? And I could see a Cody saying, you know what? I don't even want both your titles. You can keep the universal. That one means so much to you. The one that means something to my family is that that world title. That's the one that has the lineage to my family. And that's the one that I want back. I don't care what I, but you, so I could see them talking themselves into a, you don't get the bloodline, but you don't get both belts. Right. Like, and then one title comes off and then does that really ruin Roman streak? If he's as hot as everyone says he is, if he's as powerful as everyone says he is, if the thousand day reign is as important as everyone says it is, none of that is that impacted by a singular loss for one of the titles in that moment to give that huge moment. Right. There is no tournament possible that's going to end in a moment as big as that moment would have been for Cody to win a mania. Yeah, I, I agree. I was like, this was that time. This was that chance. This was when the fire was hot. All you had to do was pull the trigger. And I get, you know, the story's not done. Okay. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you could have easily turned that around to – you know, hypothetically speaking, if you wanted to keep things going, as that Cody goes, he wins the title, you get your feel-good moment. Shows up on Raw, the bloodline jumps his ass when he comes in, puts him out. He has to, he has to drop the title because he's injured. You take a little bit of time off and throw a few vignettes, and then you go back to that point. Now there's more fire. You injured me. You put me on the shelf and. You can mm-hmm. go from that angle, but yeah. And another thing I thought you could do with a Cody character is he could win both titles at Mania, and then say, in the interest of competition and in the interest of seeing a thousand days with one champion and knowing what that does, I'm going to forfeit or relinquish one of the two. Right? I'm going to stay here and defend this one, but I want the other show to have something to fight for. You know what I mean? You can see that yeah. from a Cody character where you can't see that from a Roman character. He would never no. do that. Right. But a Cody character would. So it's already like, well, you could have done it then. And the other thing. That would have Cody been a humbling wins- moment for, for Roman. If you were to go, okay, I want him for him to look at the universal title and just being like here and then walk out with the one he wanted. Yeah. That would have been right. a very cool moment. Yeah, you could have done stuff. And, you know, and you could have argued that some of it was maybe a sailor. Well, yeah, but Roman had a loss. But if he's as important as everyone says, it wouldn't have mattered. No, you're I right. Think, I agree. And I also think that if Cody goes on to win this new World Heavyweight Championship, it has zero connection outside of look to yeah. what his story is, to what he's fighting for. I want that to take that title home. Not, hey, there's a new title here we can win. Okay, that'll do. No, it's not the same. Yeah, it's not you know I mean? the same thing. Like there, I would like to see, yeah, that's great, but there, even if the title doesn't matter anymore, you know, they're retiring that title. I would love to see him go, I still want to win that belt. It, it would be for pride. It wouldn't mean anything. It would just be on his wall. But I'd love to see him do that just because it shows it's not – for prestige, it really is about heritage. She doesn't care if he, you know, like that wouldn't. Am I making sense? Yeah. 
Yeah, because I could see even like I could see a world where the idea is that Cody wants to unify the world titles. That Roman's still walking around with two titles. I could see Cody winning this one and then saying, but it's not my story. Like, this is everything. I'm going to make this mean something, but it's not my story. And saying, I still, I want to unify the world titles. I want to break up Roman's little thing there. And I could see, yeah. yeah, And I could see him getting to a spot where he does grab them, but hand back the universal and then walk away with this one in the world. And then only comes out with this one from now on. This one now carries the lineage of the world heavyweight. I could see something like that. That would be cool. And that would be something fresh and new that we haven't seen before. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, that's something hard to do in wrestling because everything is derivative of something. Mm -hmm. So when you see something new, uh, as an example, one of my favorite title belts was Naomi. Oh, yeah. That was great. when she had the lights on it, it was cool. I've even heard the story. Like, there's a whole thing about it that you can watch online where she just went and did it. Yeah. And then they, at the last minute, they did some camera test shots. Where we're like, you really pushed a line here, but we like it. Go. Yeah. And that yeah. was just something you've never seen that before. And it really made that title important because it was different. Yes. Yeah, and it was special, but not too different. You know what I mean? Like that, yeah. I thought actually the way that Naomi did it was fucking fantastic because it still looked like the SmackDown title, but also had an effect that was specific to her. So, but yeah, maybe maybe that's the way you go with it to make it make sense. Cody goes for this title, he gets it, he loves it, and he says, "As much as this means to me, and as much as I'm going to make this mean to you, this isn't my story." Yeah, I got, I got to finish. I have unfinished business. Yeah. I still haven't finished the story. This isn't it. And then you can get it to a point where now those are merged. And then that carries on the lineage. And then in that moment, that's when he's like, I did it. I've combined them. Yeah. You know? Which means he went that step of doing what, you know, his family, his father never got to do. And then took it a step further because he talks a lot about that in his promo. Yeah. If somebody gives me a challenge. I take it a step further. Yeah. Yeah, it's I mean, true. It, it makes sense. Maybe we're we're telling the future. Yeah, you heard it here first. Is <laughs> well, that's just, one right? Well, that's <laughs> just it too. Is that I'm just trying to figure out, and that's what we're here for: the conversation and the actual conversation, not yeah. here to bitch and complain, but here to figure out how this could be something, how this could work as something. Like what? There's got to be a better, deeper meaning. I I don't see because uh, I agree with what Heyman and Roman was saying, and even Triple H was saying is we're only on chapter three here. And I also was listening to a podcast where they said, "Oh, it never occurred to me that Cody might be on his own hard times thing." And I was like, "That didn't occur to you." Yeah, it's that like, didn't occur to you at some really? point. Like, that I was like, "You gotta be fucking kidding me!" Like that that blew your mind when someone brought that up to you. But we're clearly on that road, and that's what we're doing. And we even talked about it last week about the idea of. Um, the video games where you, in the first level, you encounter the final boss and he kicks your ass and then you go to level two and you have to fight a different boss and you have to get all the way back to the end where you see the same boss that you saw at the beginning. And I was like, we're clearly on a road like that, right? Yeah, Cat Quest. Got it. Yep. <laughs> but 
I'm just thinking that there's got to be more to it because the the promo made it so lesser then. Yeah. And why would you do that if you really wanted somebody to have it and mean something? Unless the idea is I'm fine withholding this, but I'm not done withholding this. You know what I mean? I'm going, I have to bring this up to a different level of prestige. And then you can have a moment where Cody turns this into the lineage and then, Hey, there we go. Yeah. And that sort of does the whole thing that makes the promos make more sense. It's a little humbling for Roman, you know, and that, that could be a good story to see play out. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be okay with that. I do like it. Something I would like to see, and I know it's kind of an aside, it's just me. Um, I'd like to see Nikki Cross do more. Yep. Yeah. I want to see her do way more. And I don't, I know her and Candace are friends or whatever, but I don't yeah. see what they're doing there. I don't like it. They had it and then they stopped doing it and it was there and then it's not. And it's like, make up your mind, pull the trigger or don't doesn't work you stop doing it but don't don't half-ass it yeah and and nikki's so fucking nice like she's so cool and she's so good yeah i want to see more for her i want to see more for damage control i know that they got the the loss again i don't know why bailey has to continue to eat the losses but she does well i think now we're in that point where we're either looking at a breakup or bailey's gonna take a step back as leader because she keeps writing checks in their name, and you can see that division going on. Which is, oh, but... it was nice to see Eo get a shot. Like, fantastic performer, amazing to watch. So to see her get a little bit of shine is nice. Do you think she's going to win? Probably not. Maybe that's the twist. That's where they swerve us, but you yeah, know. maybe. But I, just, I don't see it. I mean, I like everyone in damage control, and I don't. Yeah. I'm not ready for it to be over by any means. Like, I got the shirt, I've got the Schamberger signed print. Like, I'm I'm on board for damage control, but yeah, and that's really the trick. Like, you know, they're starting to pull the trigger on some of the the fan favorites, like Indy Hartwell. Well done. You know, that one's been a long time coming. Yeah, but even they don't seem to be really behind her. Like, they let her win and stuff, but look at all the commercials for NXT. Yeah, they They show a flash of her. They don't show her. Look at when Roxanne was the champion. They did fucking... The commercial for NXT was, this is our champion, Roxanne. You gotta see her. She's a prodigy. She's amazing. And now that Indy's the champion, they're like, check out Tiffany Stratton. She's cool. And you go, oh. (laughs) What happened to your champion? It's a very HBK thing to do. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, uh, I love the Bronson Reed stuff. Gable's mm-hmm. amazing, dude. I want Bronson Reed to hold that title, but I also don't know what's next for Austin Theory because he's been doing really good. Uh, that's a good question. Like, I feel like you know the the champion makes the title, not the title makes the champion. I I kind of feel like that's where we're at. Like, if he doesn't have a title, is he going to go the way of Dolph Ziggler? Mm. You know, who's Yeah, maybe. Dolph Ziggler, there's a reason that man kept the job while everybody was being released, but at that same time, 
you know, without a title, most people don't care. They know walking into that match, it doesn't matter. He might be the show stealer, but the show he's stealing is Blue's Clues. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, oh, the other thing that there was a couple of people who cut kind of promos on the world title, and one of those was Seth Rollins, and I thought that was also mm-hmm. telling because, in a sense, that that also kind of shit on Roman there too. I want a title that's not about this that means more than politics and part timers. Yes, and that was like the first line in there that made the title seem like it could mean something. And they need to get back to that. Now, maybe we're going to see a plot point where. You know, regardless of where it shakes out, as Roman gets told, hey, you got to defend this a lot more than just pay-per-view. And that's where that is. Yeah. But I guess my other question then, if if not Cody last year, I mean, I still feel think it's got to be Cody this coming up year. Well, like no. I said, I think the who's who's going to be the one that gets that big moment and is it going to mean as much? And I think the only way it means as much is if, like I said, Cody wants to unify the world championships. Yeah. Uh, and that that is the most obvious way to go. The other option we could see, because you, you like Cody to have somebody to really go against, is I could see something to the effect of before you get to that point in the story, is that Lashley gets the title, and he has to go through Lashley before he can complete his story. Sort of add that obstacle the chase because hmm. lashley is a damn fine performer and he's a believable champion oh yeah he's great you know so there's no reason that you couldn't throw him into that mix and he wouldn't be an interim because he's ran through everybody and then some he's, you know he's even gotten bronson reed probably closest to a loss than anybody else and they so wait you want bobby to to beat roman I would like, like, because they're doing this whole tournament thing, right? I oh, you're saying like, for the world title. Right. That I would like to see, you know, Roman can go the hell wherever. And you have Lashley win the tournament because, you know, strong, presentable, something different. We haven't seen him really stay long as a champion. He was in the interim last time. So he gets it. He defends it. He makes it look badass and makes it worthwhile. To, to get to that point, Cody is going to have to go through Lashley to get that title to then finish that story with Roman. I mean, it can extend it out a little bit longer. Yeah. Yeah, you could put it on a monster like him. I was thinking it'd be cool to just give it to like a Cross or an LA Knight. LA Knight. Of... <laughs> oh, yeah, LA Knight's my guy. <laughs> that guy, man. Like, if you've seen him perform anywhere else and you've seen him in WWE, it's night and day. That dude is so talented. He's amazing, dude. And he wins over the crowd wherever he goes. I loved it when he went to NXT and they were booing him because they just like they just didn't want him. Yeah. And then by the time he left NXT, they were like, the whole yeah. crowd was just blowing up whenever he came out. It was crazy. He's got he's got it. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. I remember the first time I was in a room with him because I was all kind of like, oh, shit, who's this dude? Like, he was crazy. He's got so much star power. And then, yeah, he was watching him wrestle, cut the promos and everything. I was there at a TV taping for NWA, and I was like, Jesus. I was like, this this is a big deal. I'm going to be able to tell people about the time I saw him. Like, it felt like one of those moments where it's like, 
Yeah. It, it's like with Corbin. He's the kind of guy where his, his on-screen character he can carry, but at the same time, outside of the ring, you'd like to have a good glass of whiskey with him, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, bourbon with Corbin. He's a big bourbon guy. Yes. Uh, which is a whiskey, but still. I um, know, I know. Technicality. But, yeah, I don't know if there was much else that was really, like, noteworthy or talkable or talking points on anything here. Uh, I mean, Bad Bunny is going to be in a match now in Puerto Rico, but we knew that to begin with. Like, that's where we got. Um, I I got to give props to Ali. Okay, go ahead. Because um, he went from, you know, just being a part-time, you know, squash match where he started off hot, where now he's kind of, he's taken up the Bo Dallas slot, mm-hmm. but they're letting him actually win. <laughs> uh, at times. You know, I, I like seeing that because he's a hell of a performer. And if they could just get a little bit more in him, he could you know, run the Intercontinental title. He would be somebody that would be an amazing match with Gunter. Yeah. Like, no. he's one of those guys where all they have to do is pull that trigger. Potentially. I I feel like I, I, I mean, I know where you're coming from. I don't know if I'm completely behind him. I feel like he's, from what I can see, has kind of like a huge ego about everything, which is kind of crazy but at the same time you have to have a certain level of ego to even want to do this to begin with so it's like you know where are we on that uh scale uh but yeah he's definitely trying hard he's definitely putting it out there you know yeah i mean he's been from doing the whole iron man light thing to Mm -hmm. being the anonymous hacker to you know, like it was a whole mess that he went through in creative, and he's still able to bounce back. Well, I mean, they've, then that's also a testament to just how much they've tried with him. Yeah, I mean, that they see something in him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I guess we'll see what this one is. I kind of don't think that this is the gimmick that does it. I don't think this no. weird Instagram positive guy is the thing. But you know, it's another step in a story for sure. True. Um, yeah. Sounds yeah. like we're we're kind of winding down a little bit. Um, something wrestling related. Yeah, go ahead. Um, Impact just released the diary. Like it's this whole thing around Rosemary. Mm-hmm. And I recommend if you're a fan of wrestling, I don't care what brand you like, go watch it. It's on YouTube. It's on their like, YouTube. It's on YouTube. Um, it's on their YouTube. It's a lot about the business, a lot of the struggles she had to work through, and how, you know, people take for granted what these people put themselves through. Like, yeah. their entire career can end like that. Yeah. And it's hard. And when you, you know, it's she, what is it she said? It's like chasing the dragon. Because when you're on that high, you're in this business, you love what you do, and you can't do it anymore. It's devastating. And yeah. I, I think that goes for a lot of people who go out on injury and, you know, it's my big problem with that. I didn't see it. If you, you think you know what you know, but you don't really know what you know. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. No, and then that's also a good segue, too, that uh, tomorrow night on Thursdays, me and Amanda Jane have taken up watching Impact instead of uh, we've taken a break from NXT and AEW. Uh, we did Impact and ROH last week. I think this week I think we might do Impact and MLW. Um, Impact was Amanda. a... Yeah, she's good. Uh, Impact was really impressed us. Uh, Ring of Honor did not. So yeah. we are going to take another break from Ring of Honor. But, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> though there is a title match, if I'm not mistaken, with Athena versus Lady Frost. Could be good. I'm, we're, we're going to be checking out specific matches, I think, for Ring of Honor here on out. Right. Like, there was uh, a lot of show we weren't that into. But, we do, uh, we do like what Impact is doing over there, uh, for the most part. There's, you know, there's everything. Every show's got a little something you're not that into, but uh, Impact, I think we're gonna check out again. And so we'll check out uh, that Rosemary video, and we'll talk about that tomorrow. Yeah, because it's like, and I know some of the people involved in that video, and I can tell you that that's not that's legit how they feel, and they're right. They're not just speaking for themselves. I mean, when that came out, you could even see on Twitter where some other, you know, boys and the girls were like, wow, you know, you just sent it straight out. And I love Impact. I'm an Impact Mark, you know, since AJ Styles is being Pope of Ric Flair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which, Doing some cool stuff. Yeah. I love their women's segments. I like what they did with the Death Dolls. I think it's great. Um, they even had a nice way of segueing to why Taya wasn't there. Mm. And they've always done something a little bit different. I'm especially a mark for Sue Young. She's amazing. Um, talk about, like, if you want to build a women's division, and this is kind of completely off topic, but if you want to build a women's division around somebody, Sue Young, mm. that's who you build around. So she can play four different characters at one time. And you believe in all four of them, and they all have four different wrestling styles. It's just like, how the hell do you do this? Most people can't even get one character straight. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway. Yep. So yeah, we'll be back tomorrow night with Miss Amanda Jane. Talk about that. That uh, did you want to tell people where they can find you? Uh, it's down there on the bottom of me. You can find me at Medusa stuff, which she is having a book signing tonight at, yep. from between 6 and 8 p.m. Eastern. And then I believe we're going live on Twitch after that uh, at 9 p.m. Yeah, that's going to be good. It's going to be a good time. Uh, yeah, you can find me, obviously, at Ref Marsh, at Wrestling on the Rocks. We got WHR the Show on Twitter. We got Queen of Carnage on YouTube. Progressing Spotlight on YouTube. I'm hanging around. So, is there um, any show you don't do? Yeah, I, I stay out of a lot of the ones with people I'm not into. Um, fair enough. <laughs> I mean, I just because you're just all over the place. I mean, even your special guest got podcasts on spot on podcasts. <laughs> yeah, I try to bring on people who are you know at least watching it. You know what I mean? Mm. But. Yeah, we'll be back tomorrow night. We're going to talk Impact. Uh, I've already sent the message to Amanda. I want to do MLW. And, uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about that. We are, because of, uh, I was mentioning it off air a little bit, so I'll say a little bit on air. I've got a lot of traveling this month, so we may miss a show here and there as well because I got extra editing to be caught up on before the traveling, during the traveling, and after the traveling. So, um, yeah, 
do the like and subscribe and the rates and reviews and uh, be aware of when we drop the next one. Yeah, give this man some love here that way. Yeah, I got my Venmo <laughs> on the bottom now. Just see if yeah. anybody's tips it randomly. A little tip jar. <laughs> like, Marsh, you were, you know, because I, just to put you over, because, you know, Bishop doesn't put you over enough. I think he needs to. Um, you know, you you provide a show that's not about shitting on the product. You, you're talking a what if. You're looking at things in a way that, you know, is respectful of the business, and I don't think that's done near enough. So people should be showing you a lot more love. Yeah, I get frustrated. There's been times where uh, before a show, I've talked to Bishop for a while saying, I don't know how to approach this because I didn't like so much. How am I going to talk about this? Because I'm not going to go on there and just shit on stuff for the sake of it or yell and scream and have my veins pop out of my head and be like, Vince McMahon hates wrestling. Like, I'm not that kind of fucking idiot. Yeah. And so for, for me, when I'm watching wrestling and I'm really not enjoying segments or things or what they're doing with people, like I get very upset and frustrated and, and it's the struggle is how do I, where, where are we going to take this conversation? Because I don't want it to be shit on for shit on sake. Like if, if we even say, like we talk about here, here's the problem with this. Here's what I don't like about this. But the idea is how do we talk ourselves into what it could be, what it might mean and why there's hope in continuing to watch, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, and that that's part of what I love about you. It's the reason I volunteer. I offer myself as tribute to uh, hang out here in the dive bar on episode one. Yeah, and we'll be in contact. I'm sure we'll have you back on here, but uh, until tomorrow night when we return with our drinking buddies here in the dive bar of the IWC, guys, that's last call. Hey, producer lady here. Thanks for tuning in. Continue to support us or buy us a drink by following and putting the I and subscribe on Twitch. Or subscribe and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us. Cheers! I would never have a drink with wrestling on the rocks.